Hey, CT family, welcome to the Healing Place podcast. I'm Brian Hackney, the director of the Healing Place. And whether you heard about us on the weekend services or someone shared this episode, we're glad you're here. Welcome home. On almost every intake form that comes into the Healing Place, someone checks the box, anxiety. I believe anxiety is one of the most common things that we struggle with in our culture today. And what if we could reframe the way we look at anxiety? What if we could actually embrace anxiety as a good thing that mobilizes us into action? It actually protects us from danger. But there's sometimes, that's what I would call clean anxiety, but there's, there's dirty anxiety. That, that anxiety that shrinks our world and that makes us shrink back from doing things that would give us life. So join us in today's episode. We talk about how you can practically take steps to gradually expose yourself to things that give you anxiety, therefore reducing your anxiety. I hope you enjoy it. Here we are, guys, talking about anxiety. anxiety. Welcome back, Glenna and Ross. <laughs> so are y'all anxious today? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So, a little bit. I think it's good. Yeah. Like it's the kind that like tells you, like helps you prepare. Mm, it is. Helps you so organize. You yeah. just made one of the best points. So That's right. anxiety, you said it's the good kind. There is the mm-hmm. clean kind of anxiety mm-hmm. and then there's the dirty mm-hmm. anxiety, right? <laughs> the clean, it's yeah. mobilizing us to take some action, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're by the edge of a cliff, you should be anxious because you want to move away. You don't want right. to go over the cliff. If you have a test coming up, it mobilizes you to study for the test. Exactly. But sometimes there's the dirty anxiety where we perceive there's some threat and there's not, mm-hmm. right? And that can get out of control. But let's right. let's just start back with, <laughs> as I prayed this morning, as we came in to do mm-hmm. this, um, we did face some level of anxiety when you get on a podcast or on a, on, you know, on a video or what have you. But there's a why, okay? There's a why. Why are we doing this? Because we care about helping people, mm-hmm. and we want people to get this information. So we were able, okay, to face our anxiety for the greater good of our why. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's coming up. This is, this is a tool to help with anxiety. Coming up with your why and say, you know what? Living my life in a way that I want to live it, not to be constrained, you know, it's worth facing mm-hmm. my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So when we avoid things, we're going to become more anxious. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that loop here mm-hmm. in a minute. Mm-hmm. But exactly. so as I prayed this morning, I just want to say this. I, I love the why of the healing place. I love that we're helping uh, people yeah. uh, with anxiety, with depression, with addiction, with relationship issues, with marital infidelity and relational uh, trauma from and past wounds and hurts. So let's let's start, I think, with that. I want to acknowledge everyone is suffering. And if you're alive in 2020, I believe you have some degree of anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you think so many people, I mean, yes, there's layoffs and quarantine and COVID mm-hmm. and, and lockdowns and all that, but there's something serious going on over the last decade. We've seen a dramatic increase in anxiety in people in generalized anxiety. In our intake form, everybody circles anxiety. Mm -hmm. No matter what else, they all put anxiety. Mm -hmm. And if nothing else, if people hear they're not alone and they're not crazy if they're struggling with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So why do you think there's been such an uptick in 
anxiety. Oh, y'all are both looking yeah, at culture. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I go yeah. back to like the definition of anxiety. It's like our response to like kind of an unknown threat. But the key word there for me is like there's a threat. Mm-hmm. And I think we feel like right now COVID feels like a threat. Mm. Loss of money feels like a threat, like Mm. our financial stability, um, our political environment, like those all feel a little like threatening to Mm. us. So I think it would be natural that our anxiety would rise a little bit. Mm. Okay. Yeah. 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 What else? I mean, there's probably so much we could go into mm-hmm. i mean well, with let's do it with the no, uh, speaking of that yeah. <laughs> with, i think with the uh you know in the last 10 years just the proliferation of information and the you know the expanse of of um opportunity we have to read about and go online and you know and search anything and the awareness of the threats of the world that maybe you, you were just naive to in the past, um, you know, the stats that say that, you know, information is you know, uh, infinitely greater than it was 10 years ago, the amount of information in the world. And mm-hmm. so I think just that information overload and the ability, while it's brought so many great things to our society and our culture, has also allowed us to be more aware of the threats and whether they're real or, or perceived or, or, you know, not real or yeah. however it is. So I, yeah. Imagine. Well, so there is, there's a lot of studies on, that's one of the things that clinical psychologists will talk about is the difference between real threats mm-hmm. and perceived threats. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are dangerous situations and then there's non dangerous situations today coming in here. This was unpleasant. If you're, you were kind of nervous, mm-hmm. but it's not dangerous. No. It's not fun, but it's not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to injure you. Mm-hmm. And so we have to... Ha- and so if we would have void... Let, let's just go through the loop <laughs> and just correct me if I'm wrong here. If I would have avoided a situation where I'm going to go public speak or I'm going to go do a podcast or I'm going to go record a video, if I say, ooh, that is scary, that's dangerous, it's nerve wracking. First of all, I'm worried about, am I going to look stupid? Are people going to laugh at me? Are they going to judge me? Or am I going to be perfect or not? All those things. And you, you can talk about some of that. But <laughs> basically, if I say I want to avoid that, your brain says, Whew, if I just stayed home, good job, Brian. You avoided that. Mm-hmm. You're safe now. And you just developed a neuropathway pathway that said the way to get out of the anxiety is to avoid and my life and my world just shrunk. Mm-hmm. The way to actually help my anxiety decrease is to go gradually, it's called, you know, G-E-T, gradual exposure therapy. So not all at once, but let me dip my toe in and go and face that for my greater why, my, my willingness to look stupid or to try and not be perfect. But let me go do it. And then your brain says, wait, you didn't just die. That, that was okay. And literally new pathways are built. And so your brain doesn't release as much uh, cortisol, you know, uh, whatever, norepinephrine, I guess, the mm-hmm. adrenaline. It doesn't release the stress uh, hormones. So that loop happens when I face my fears and I dip my toe into things that make me anxious. But going back to our last uh, podcast with the thorn, 
we ask God to take these things away. Mm-hmm. Like, God, make me not nervous. Mm-hmm. But we avoid making our anxiety worse. Okay, you're dying to talk about that. So go no, ahead. No, like mm-hmm. I was just processing all of what you mm-hmm. were saying mm-hmm. um, and thinking about like our core fear. And then what you were talking about was our core defense, like how we make it go away. Like it might be avoidance, how we make it go away, Mm -hmm. or it might be taking a drink is how we make it go away. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're suggesting like instead of doing our core defense, let's do something different. Mm -hmm. Let's face the fear. Yes. And And this is proven to work. It will decrease your anxiety. And I'm going to read at at the end of this, I'm going to read 10 skills and we're going to have a PDF that we'll put on the show notes where people can Mm -hmm. download this Mm -hmm. and have a very practical tool to deal with their anxiety. But what I'm, the overarching theme is whatever has made you anxious, if you avoid it, it's going to get worse. Yeah. But yeah. that's the way we do it. We say, you know, avoid the danger, right? right. Instead of dipping your toe in to the danger, mm-hmm. facing it incrementally, and therefore your anxiety decreases. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I just think all throughout scripture, you know, uh, there's these directives to, you know, fear not or take courage, all of these things. And uh, so often we see that as uh, that our, 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 life as Christians, when we get to this point, we're going to not have any fear, you know, and we're going to be so courageous, all this stuff. But in reality, what that is saying is that when we are called to take courage or we're called to fear not, that doesn't mean that the fear is not there. The fear is there, but we, we need to expose ourselves to it. We need to step into it. And that's when God's power meets us and we're able to walk forward. And so I think, you know, a lot of times we have a lot of shame around anxiety because if we trust God, we shouldn't be afraid. But th- nowhere in the Bible does it says, say that we shouldn't be afraid or that there is going to be an absence of fear, yeah. but that we, ha- we can have courage to face that fear, that we can have courage in the midst of that fear. Yesterday, I was listening to someone talk about anxiety and pushing through, and she was saying, she said, courage is not the lack of fear. Yeah. Courage is the ability to take action in the face of fear. That's good. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what you said. Exactly. And it's just like, so it's like, oh, wow. So to, to be anxious is normal. Mm-hmm. And I want everyone to hear this. Mm-hmm. Now, most clinical psychologists, I mean, most will say that 90% of our anxiety is rooted somehow in childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, do you, would you guys agree with that? When you look at the, you know, we talk about meeting with our clients and mining for gold and going down to those core wounds, those lies that they believe because of the wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think trauma is too big of a word here. Trauma is literally something that you experience inward. It's, it's the, so the person who wounded you or the wounding situation is not the trauma. It's your response to exactly, that wound, yeah. right? Yeah. And so... So basically a coping mechanism to that trauma or the defense, then you live your, the rest of your life that way. Mm-hmm. And if you never, if you, again, if you avoid going back there and processing that wound and healing it, now you're going to be, instead of that being an episodic or event-driven trauma, now you've generalized it and you're anxious about everything in your life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense mm-hmm. to you yeah. guys? Do yeah. you see that? Mm-hmm. Well, I see that as... It could be trauma in that like a need is not met. Right. So it doesn't have to be a big trauma, right, right. like a huge trauma. It could be just your needs not met yeah. as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And so you fill in the blank with your own narrative, yep. right? Yeah. And so I go back to fear 
of being the core of anxiety, mm-hmm. like fear of abandonment, mm-hmm. fear of identity, fear of failure, um, fear of loss, fear of dying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think those are foundational for our anxiety. Can we get through the trauma or the story we've been telling ourselves or the belief system that we have that gets to that core fear that we can uh, identify it mm-hmm. yeah. and so we can move towards it? Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you differentiate. Well, you actually said trauma doesn't have to be this, this whatever you just pictured, this mm-hmm. major trauma you said. It is trauma when a kid is neglected. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we we heard a clinical psychologist talking about letting when your kid's not sleeping through the night, let them cry it out, right? <laughs> let them cry it out and they'll learn, okay, mom and dad, they're there, they're safe, you know they're in the other room. Well, mm-hmm. do they know you're in the other room? Mm-hmm. Do they know they're safe? But eventually they'll get tired, they'll fall asleep, and then they won't cry anymore and they won't be wanting to fuss and get out of their bed. Well, there's a lot of people now saying that, causes attachment mm-hmm. trauma, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Wow, I felt neglected. I don't know if I can trust that my caretaker is going to be there for me. Yeah. Are they going to respond to me when I cry? And that's trauma. Yeah. And so I think so, what's important about that yeah. too is that we have a lot of shame about our anxiety. And you know what I've learned so much from you, Brian, is just saying, well, of course you, of course you responded that way. You were a kid and you had no idea what was going on or how to respond. So of course that that uh, behavior pattern formed in you. And now, yes, we need to correct it and we need to look at how to change that, but you don't need to feel the shame of, well, I should have done something different or I should have been a different way or I shouldn't have been that type of kid or I shouldn't have been overbear. You know, all the, the labels that were put on us that we take responsibility for, um, that, that we need to put the responsibility where it's due so that we can change. It's, yes, it's going back and saying, of uh, normalizing, of course you were uh, afraid. Of yeah. course you got anxious. You were, of, you weren't weak. You were vulnerable. Yeah. You were a child. Yeah. And so, but then as an adult, if you were scared by a dog, right? And let's say you, you got bit by a dog mm-hmm. and now you have this, if you never, ever go back and face that wound, let's just talk about something as benign, if you will, of being bitten by a dog, but mm-hmm. that could be traumatic for a child. Mm-hmm. But if you never address it, if you avoid all dogs, all dogs are scary. All dogs are scary. Well, we know that's an irrational thought, mm-hmm. okay? But that's your thought. Your behavior is avoidance. Mm-hmm. And when your body says, whew, your brain releases all kinds of, you avoided that dog, you got mm-hmm. out of there, you ran, you escaped, you avoided. Now the brain is actually going to create more anxiety because it says the way to get out of that is to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And so to develop the neuro pathways that say dogs are safe, first you have to imagine Okay, so I want to talk about imagery for a minute. Uh, this is not using, and I love grounding and breathing in the moment of anxiety, but this is something you do preemptively mm-hmm. or uh, proactively. As a, a, proactively, as mm-hmm. something you do pr- as a pr- precaution or preventative before you get there. You imagine yourself. And the reason why I like the word imagery uh, versus like visualization, visualization seems like it's it's just like a little snapshot. I love imagery because you imagine and it has color and it has Mm. scenes and you just start picturing yourself seeing dogs and maybe walking up and petting a dog and the dog was friendly and you you've told yourself that so many times your brain starts to adopt a a Mm. benevolent attitude towards dogs Mm. it's really thinking yourself into different behavior Mm. and then when you gradually allow yourself maybe to be in the same room with a dog and 
He didn't bite me. He didn't kill me. I didn't run away. Your brain says, good job. Look, I'm rewarding another level of exposure. And then I'm going to maybe reach over and pet the dog. So this was not a real threat. This was a perceived threat that caused anxiety. Mm. But if you didn't address it, if you were embarrassed of your fear of dogs, you've just shrunk your world. Maybe you don't go to parties mm. where there's a dog. That's Maybe right. you never go to the dog park. You, you get where right. I'm going with that. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, it keeps you from... Living your life living, and experiencing the fullness. Living in freedom. So people yeah. are experiencing anxiety at a, at a again, epidemic rate, okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So we help people go back and see, have there been any uh, uh, unhealed wounds and hurts that you may be living out of? People always say, well, why would I want to look back there? Could that really be affecting me? That happened 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But... And I want, I want y'all to think about maybe a, a client or two that you work with with anxiety. And we're going to get real practical, uh, practical about steps that they can do mm-hmm. to help them face the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and things that have worked in your own life. Because we all, again, we're all feeling anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me give this analogy. So if I, if I wound you, let's say I cut you deeply, Ross, at, a, at an early age. Mm-hmm. That wound would heal, okay? It would scab over. And if it was a really deep wound, it would scar, right? Mm -hmm. Around that scarring, it can sometimes be numb and it can sometimes be unflexible, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So think about if you haven't gone and addressed a deep, traumatic, psychological wound in Mm -hmm. your life, how we can become numb around that, lose feeling around that area Mm -hmm. and become more rigid and Mm -hmm. less flexible around that, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And how limiting that is. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to the person or the clients that says, you know, is it really worth, quote, digging up my past or addressing something that happened 30 years ago? What would you tell that client? I mean, I think I would tell them that that oftentimes the reasons that we don't want to go to that place is because of fear and the fear of pain. I love your scar analogy because there's also scar tissue and it hurts to break up scar tissue, you know, but sometimes that's what's needed to gain the flexibility for movement and the, the flexibility, um, that can lead to freedom of movement, you know what I mean? So I, I, taking that analogy further, um, yeah. And I mean, just over and over, you see, uh, that the deeper issue isn't going to necessarily what I what I feel like I've seen is that it's not going to necessarily change the immediate symptoms, but working through that issue will give you the foundation to address the things that are going on right right there right. there Good. and then. Right. Good. Yes. So I like to give my clients some courage in facing it and say, you lived through it. That's good. And your experience shows you that you survived it. Mm-hmm. And so going back to it, you already know you survived it. So mm-hmm. let's go back to it mm-hmm. knowing I've already lived through it once. Mm-hmm. Um, and visiting the trauma somewhat can be helpful, but sometimes it's re-traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And so understanding the purpose of what we are looking for when we go back um, to the past, which I like to take them back to their core belief about 
about what happened mm-hmm. and uncovering the core belief, mm-hmm. um, not just the emotional response mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. it Good. and yep. addressing that core belief. Because yep. if we can address that core belief and invite the Holy Spirit in to start speaking truth. So you identify your fear or your thought or your belief, you challenge it and you invite the Holy Spirit in to say, like, tell me the truth about this. Like it rewrites it. It doesn't make the history go away or change the past or rewrite your history. It changes how you view it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when you, again, think about being nervous or being anxious about coming in here and doing something mm-hmm. that's going to be public. Mm-hmm. What were some of the thoughts that you were having when you get nervous and you get anxious? Let's, let's hear some of them. Oh, well, I don't know if I can repeat them. I'm just, okay. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm okay. just joking. Yeah, I hear you. But it's, it's, like, it's, humor helps, feel, right? Like, we feel ashamed. We feel embarrassed. It's like, I shouldn't feel this. And I want you to say, you should. It, again, being anxious is your body turning on your brain saying, you need to be alert. There right. could be danger. You may have a saber-toothed tiger you need so, to slay, yeah. but maybe not. And yeah. so if you can, again, if we run from this, you're going to actually be more anxious. So for right. me, like, I think part of it is, like, I like to be prepared. And so, like, my schedule has been full. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then family came in from out of town. And so, like, there wasn't, like... I like space to prepare. It's just like when I cook a meal. I like the time and the space to prepare it well. Um, And I wasn't feeling like I was able to do that. And so that created a little bit of like, ugh. Like, what I hear there, of yeah. course, it's like, uh, what I hear there is this tendency towards perfectionism. We all want to be, you want to look prepared. You want to look mm-hmm. smart. We want to be perfect. But instead of adopting a growth mindset, you know what? I'm going to try something. You know what? I'm actually going to do something and kind of mess it up. But I'm going to be in the process of learning <laughs> and growing that. And But think about yesterday I was on the trail and I, I, I literally, I'm on the trail walking and here comes this guy. He's he's dancing as loud as you could yeah. dance, man, sure down, the trail, down the trail, down the trail at Eagle Mountain. And it, what did you say? I said, you sure that wasn't you? It, it was not me. It was not me. There was this guy. But I, I but I look. It's at first. Yeah, there's this guy. It's weird. He's on the trail. He's so being called now. He's got his earbuds in. I come on. He's got his earpods in. His AirPods, and he's going nuts. And I'm looking. At first, it was kind of ooh. And that, that look you give him, but you know what I thought after about two seconds of going, it's funny, if I would have been with a group of people, we may have gone, look at this guy. Yeah. But alone, what I felt was, dude, I wish I had that courage. Mm. Good on you. Yeah. He's dancing. He has expanded. I'm living my life. I'm on this trail. I'm listening to my music. I'm dancing. And there was a bit of envy. Like, how did he get to the point where he's let himself go like that? Well, he just tried it. Mm-hmm. You know, t- people talk about putting yourself in a situation to fail. Mm-hmm. Look, this sounds so scary, but I'm telling you, mm-hmm. the brain chemistry, now we can we can image the brain and we can see what happens real time when, okay, I'm going to go wear these silly pants out in public and I'm going to do it several days in a row mm-hmm. and I'm going to let people think that I'm kind of crazy. I'm going to go dance on a trail. You can see people's brains opening up and getting less stressed mm-hmm. So you're voluntarily exposing yourself to stressful situations so that when you get into a stressful situation, your brain doesn't freak out, basically. Mm -hmm. That's the layman's term. Mm -hmm. So there's this guy named Wim Hof. And if you're taking notes, you should write down W-I-M-H-O-F. I I saw him on the Goop Lab on a Netflix show. But the guy um, has developed this breathing method 
Okay, deep, deep breathing, right? And most people have heard of breathing exercises, but this is taking deep breathing to a new level. He realized when he got in cold, that, that gasping for breath and when he, how alive he felt because of the oxygenation to the, the blood and all the cells. And, but he started doing these deep, deep breathing exercises. And at the end, he will just exhale. And after the last exhale of 30 breaths, he won't breathe in for 90 seconds. And how this resets, like your parasympathetic nervous, it resets things in your body physiologically. And your stress response is actually less than because you willfully or voluntarily expose yourself to that. Willfully getting into a cold shower. Willfully going swimming in a cold lake. Like, not, he's, he's hiked Mount Everest in his shorts. Whoa. The skin was given <laughs> to us, right, with all these receptors, for thermal, pain, electric, you know, all, all these uh, receptors, cardiovascular system, and we cover it up with clothes. You know, thank God we're wearing clothes. <laughs> but he talked about how there was a design in us to feel things, to feel pain, mm -hmm. to feel stress. Voluntarily, again, this whole thing, if you're nothing else, when you avoid, your anxiety goes up. But that's what we're all about right now. Mm -hmm. When you willfully put yourself into gradually exposing uh, therapy, if you will. It's called GET. Uh, this gradual exposure therapy, your brain will learn to calm down and you will actually begin to embrace those things. Mm. So um, let me read, and y'all can vector off of these. I want to hear some of your thoughts, but I want to read these 10 skills. These are like just a conglomeration of lots of different therapists who've put these ideas together, 10 skills you can learn, develop, and implement to face your fears and to beat anxiety. So choose something that matters more. Mm -hmm. Okay. What we did today, we chose our wanting to get this information out to people mattered more than our own anxiety. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, Nietzsche says, he who has a why can endure anyhow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So the why is important. Practice willingness. As I said before, anxiety is uncomfortable. It's not fun, but it's not dangerous. It's not going to injure you, right? Uh, build emotional muscles. The more you practice putting yourself in stressful uh, uh, situations, the easier it becomes. Mm. Let go of perfectionism. Mm. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're writing these down, obviously you can go back and listen. And, and we're going to share these with you on a PDF uh, so that people can have them. Um, let go of the belief, I can't handle it. So this is linked wow. to perfectionism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, this should be hard for me. This mm -hmm. not, oh, this shouldn't be. It's like we're embarrassed if something doesn't come easily or, yeah. or we feel ashamed of our anxiety. Yeah. We fear being anxious, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's like, no, I can do hard things, but it should, it should be uncomfortable. Uh, change how you see situations. So I'm telling you, before we recorded this podcast, you know, last oh, over the last few years, I've done several of these. Rather than dreading and being afraid and picturing myself saying something stupid or looking stupid or people, when I used to lead worship, people crossing their arms and giving me the negative energy, <laughs> or I would picture myself, people loving it, people coming up saying, man, that blessed me so much. Picture yourself in that situation, literally your brain, when you visualize that and you imagine that. So practice imagery. That will help you. I'm just telling you it works. Mm -hmm. um, do one small step every day. Mm -hmm. So 
they call it a like a higher hierarchy exposure yes. list to yes. where you break it down in tiny steps and just do one or two tiny steps. So I know I'm talking a lot here, but <clears throat> just 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 follow <laughs> me. Okay, so I used to be, uh, I am deathly afraid of having my blood pressure taken. Mm. I don't know why, but it's gotten worse. And you know why? Because I've avoided getting it taken. Mm -hmm. When I was in seventh or eighth grade, I had a physical. They took it and he said, hmm, you know, the nurse that, are you nervous? And I'm thinking, I got to pass this physical so I can play football. <laughs> and they, are you nervous? We got to take that again. Your blood pressure is pretty high. And I'm thinking, I have high blood pressure. I'm not going to pass. They're going to put me on medication <laughs> for whatever reason. And the, what's it called? The white coat disease or the yeah. whatever. Syndrome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I hear that <laughs> in that cup, going to the dentist. I don't want to go to the dentist because they're taking my blood pressure. I needed a back procedure. I don't want to go because they took my blood pressure. It was off the charts and they're wanting to take me to the emergency room. So what have I done? I avoid it. Mm -hmm. And my brain rewards me. Whoo, you got out of that situation. Mm -hmm. What I need to do is to go back to the dentist, go back to the uh, back doctor. Now, what's the first step if I made the hierarchy exposure? What's the baby step? Call and say, you know what? I need a back procedure, but when I come in there, I freak out. Mm -hmm. Face your embarrassment, your shame. I freak out. It's a weird deal, but when wow. you take my blood pressure, it goes up. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I've got a cuff at home, and I really don't suffer from high blood pressure ever mm -hmm. until I come in there. Mm -hmm. So can I sign a waiver? That's your first step. And now all of a sudden, I'm going back into the dentist and getting my back procedures mm -hmm. done. Does that make sense? Yep. Wow. So that is a huge one there. Okay, stay with your fears until you calm down. Okay, set a time limit. I wanted you to talk about that. You talk about setting a certain time of day or certain number of minutes per day. Talk mm -hmm. about that, Ross. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing that's been helpful uh, in my life and in others' lives who I talk with is just this idea of a, of a kind of a pendulum where there's times where we uh, kind of ruminate and sit in our pain, fear, anxiety, whatever, for too long that's unhealthy. And then the other end of the of the spectrum, the other end of the pendulum is we avoid all the time and push it down, right? Mm -hmm. So the goal is to kind of want is to bring it back to the middle where we spend some time thinking about and analyzing and sitting with our fear and our anxiety, but we also spend some time distracting from it because we can't ruminate and sit in it all the time. So this is a tool to do that where you basically set aside um, a, a certain amount of time of day, 10, 20 minutes. Um, where you put all your worries out there and you spend all that 10, 20 minutes worrying about the things that are in front of you. And then throughout the day, when those worries come up, you tell yourself and you remind yourself, okay, tomorrow when I have my 10 or 20 minutes of worrying, I'm going to worry about that or mark it down and put it, you know, put it to to be able to worry about the next segment when you have when you have that time. So you have the segmented time where you're worrying and the other time where you don't have to, uh, you don't have to, uh, sit in that uh, as as much as you would in that that segmented time. That's good. I love it. That's I was good. reading a study recently that you were talking about time, mm -hmm. and it was saying like typically we worry like just a little bit, not enough to actually solve a problem, yeah. or we will go to the extent yeah. and like so. Um, but they said the ideal time to worry is 10 minutes mm. and like make yourself worry about it for 10 minutes. Like don't stop short of 10 minutes. Wow. Don't go over 10 minutes, but make yourself worry about it wow. for 10 minutes. Wow. And I'm like, okay, that's that. And that creates a new neuro pathway versus like 20 to 25 minutes versus like a 30 minute worry yeah, time, yeah. but do it 10 minutes. 
And if you do it mindfully like that, willfully, mm-hmm. if you if you say to yourself, well, if I get too stressed or too worried, then I'm going to quit. I'm going right. to leave. That's mm-hmm. when anxiety increases. Right. So it's it's willfully. That's and I, hear me. So the neuroplasticity we yes. know. You used to, we thought our, our hardware, our brain was set basically mm-hmm. uh, right. after our formative years in childhood. Right. Now we know they can be changed with the way we think. Mm-hmm. So that imagery, sitting and feeling, mm-hmm. feeling, sitting with it, sitting with your anxiety, letting it come, saying, you know what? I'm not going to be ashamed over this. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to feel crazy. I'm mm-hmm. not going to feel stupid. Yeah. I'm going to feel this. If you don't, you're avoiding it. Guess what? It's still there yeah. and now it's going to come out. Yeah, you, you right. know, when you're around people, you know, you're going to get it all splotchy on yeah. your neck or, you know, what, what have you. Yeah. It's going to come out. You know, what I love about neuroplasticity, <clears throat> sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Right. What I think about when I think about neuroplasticity is I think about hope because so many of us, I think, that deal with anxiety and worry, it feels so hopeless. Like, is this ever going to change about me? Is, can can I ever be different? Am I ever going to stop worrying? You know, it's crippling as, as how we describe anxiety and worry so often. But the fact that our brains can change, like physiologically, biologically, it's proven that our brains can change. That's that's hope. That's the fact that, that we can look towards something and see a different future than what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. And hope is obviously riddled throughout scripture and we can hold on to that hope, hold on to that belief that transformation, that the renewing of our mind, you know, neuroplasticity is possible for us. Yes. Yes. And so it's interesting. Here's what I, what just came to mind. I think people, they're even going to listen to this going, okay, is there something new? Is there something earth shattering, something profound that they're going to say about anxiety? Like, oh, I've heard mindfulness. Oh, I've heard meditation. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I've heard about sitting with it and embracing it. I've heard about facing your fears. I mean, good night. That's mm-hmm. a cliche that we've heard for, but it's but they don't do it. Right. And if you're waiting for us to say something profound and mm-hmm. earth-shattering, literally, you're just going to be disappointed. Right. But here's what my challenge is for you to actually do these things. Mm-hmm. If you get up every morning, you walk outside with bare feet and ground, you go out in cold you know, you take a cold shower for two minutes at the end of your shower. Mm-hmm. You learn deep breathing. You practice meditation. And people go, well, what is that? Is that letting the thoughts go or focusing on a thought? Either one. <laughs> the practice <laughs> is coming back. It's coming back. When your mind wanders, it's coming back. You're practicing getting into your body and your conscience and your self-conscious all at, at once, being present. But in, as Rohr says, it's the change that changes everything. But yet, I know a lot of people listening to this, they won't do it. Mm. They're like, there's got to be something else. Mm. And then the trap, let's take medication. Mm. And so instead of going and facing my fear of having my blood pressure drawn, let me just take a Xanax. Let me just never go to the doctor. And that's how we're suffering, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So let me read these last two and then, uh, so get support. Not not to to help you run from the dog or the doctor. Help you face your fears, mm. a friend, a therapist. I think about Jamie, who's deathly afraid of having her blood drawn. And so she didn't go to the doctor for a long time on some needed things that she needed to do. Mm. Then she asked a friend, hey, will you go with me? Mm. And it's to help you find the courage to hold Goodness. you uh, accountable or to hold your hand. Yep. And then be compassionate with yourself. I think you give yourself credit for progress, mm-hmm. for growth, for mm-hmm. the small baby steps. And give yourself... Approach yourself with forgiveness over this. Don't yeah. think that you're crazy for feeling anxious. Yep. Right. 
So, yeah, yeah. go ahead, Glenna. Do you have anything else? Oh, I have so much to add. Like, so much to add because, like, I mean, there are so many approaches to it, but I love, like, your imagery. Like, if we have time, like, giving people some step-by-steps of that because there are some key components in the imagery actually like working and part of that is learning how to relax your body mm-hmm. and how to get into that relaxed state and so you can do progressive muscle relaxation you can visualize a place where you feel completely relaxed but training yourself like what does it feel to be completely relaxed in the state and so you've already made your hierarchy of steps that you need to take so let's say um let's say it's a fear of flying And so you're going to have your first step is I'm going to imagine myself two miles away from the airport. Mm -hmm. Well, when you start imagining yourself two miles away from the airport, you're going to be in your relaxed state Mm -hmm. and you're going to imagine it. And if you feel anxiety coming up, you kind of like sit with it for a little bit, do your deep breathing, get yourself back to that relaxed state and don't move to the next image Mm -hmm until you can visit this image of being two miles away from the airport and remain completely relaxed. And then you go to your next step of like, I'm gonna be a mile away. So I'm gonna imagine being a mile away from the airport. And then when you can do that and remain relaxed, then you move to your next step. And so when you can remain relaxed, I'm gonna say like 10 to 12 minutes, then you can move on to the next one. And you don't have to do it all in one day. You can just practice. It may take you three days to not feel anxious being one mile from the airport. Mm, And so then you do your next step. Oh, I'm going to just sit at the curb, right? You're going to imagine it. And then you go, I'm going to go sit at the ticket counter. And Mm -hmm. so you're going to imagine what that's like. But the whole time you're going to keep your body in a relaxed state. (laughs) And so you're, you're keeping your body relaxed with the image. And then as you go through all the steps, right, you're going to buy a ticket, all those things, and you've done this in your imagery, then grab your friend and say, let's start doing this. Can you go with me and have a picnic two miles away from the airport Mm. and practice that relaxed state? And so it's slow, but it happens, but you're training your body to be relaxed in that state. So I want to challenge everyone listening to come in, have a session with Glenna, <laughs> have, have a session with Ross, have a oh, session with yeah. me or Spoonie, have a session right. with one of our, our care coaches, because we will help you walk through uh, these steps, these uh, taking right. baby steps, celebrating them. Yep. And and, and there's right. some accountability with telling someone, yep. getting past the shame that you struggle with it. Right. I mean, trust me, we all do. Yep. And and you said something earlier. You said sometimes even the coping, like I'm, I'll go to the party, but I need to drink alcohol first. Uh-huh. Um, I'll get in the relationship, but I'll never be too vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So all the ways that we're being limited. So those coping strategies, we're still avoiding. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, again, you've heard me say it over and over, but avoiding is increasing your anxiety, mm-hmm. right? And it's Absolutely. not going to go away. It's going to get worse. Yeah. And so I just, I man, if the first step is coming in and telling somebody you're struggling with it, then yep. so be it. Yep. So That's good. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds good.